Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here of the Podakesis Podcast. I'm very excited to bring you this new episode where Jim, Alan, and myself have a great discussion about the second commandment, about making no graven images and why it matters today. Before we get started, though, I do want to remind you that the Podakesis Podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Podcasting Network, and you can find out all about this podcasting network and the podcasts that are in this network by going to spiritandtruth.com. Life that is spirit and truth dot life, and then you'll see the podcasting network tab there. Also, want to make you aware of the Spirit and Truth conference that is coming up March 15th through the 17th in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, that's in 2022, of course. And you can get $20 off your registration for this if you put in the discount code Podakesis when registering for the Spirit and Truth conference. Again, that is March 15th through the 17th in Dayton, Ohio, 2022, and put Podakesis in the discount code on registration and you'll get $20 off your registration. Well, that's all I have. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. Wherever they get their favorite podcast, you can tell them they can find the Podakesis podcast. And we look forward to bringing you this new episode. So without further delay, let's get started. Hello, Podakumans. Welcome to another episode of the Podakesis podcast a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Alan and Jim, how are y'all doing? Fantastic. Great to be with you in the Potakesis community. I'm doing good in the neighborhood. And see, I threw a little curveball. I didn't say, you know, give you a, a superlative or anything like that. I was, it was totally just... blown away. I actually didn't know what to say for a moment because <laughs> I was, well, I, did, I just was surprised. Such well, a big change. I don't know how I'm going to recover. Well, there you go. And I just couldn't think of it as really what it is. I mean, I know we're getting close to Halloween, so I should have played something on that, riffing on that, but it is what it is. So there you go. Anyway, hey, Potacumans, it's good to be with y'all once again. And as we start this episode of the Potacusis podcast, just want to remind y'all to hit us up on social media, um, wherever you find us, at Potacusis is where you can find us. And also give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we would be most uh, most thankful for that. And um, so uh, before we get started into this current episode and the current questions in John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, um, one of our listeners was talking to me this past week about our last episode in which we talked about uh, the, the, the commandment not to have any other gods before um, the Lord our God. And uh, we were talking about idolatry. We're talking about um, ultimate love for God and not um, not putting our love, not putting our devotion into other things. And she brought up, and I thought it was a very good question. She said, um, "Well, how can we then, as Christians, love God ultimately and also love other things, mm-hmm. like our family, um, like like our kids, our grandkids, whatever?" I, I, I feel that's a, a a good question for us to to, to kind of um, talk about here. Yeah, I think it's a good question, especially as we framed it with um, worship is whatever you give your heart to and sacrifice for. Right. And there might be a place where at times we worship family. But boy, isn't that tough? Y'all remember yeah. the there's the passage in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says, whoever comes to me and does not hate mm-hmm. father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Right. This is tough stuff. It is so, tough. So what do we make of that stuff? I've always just uh, thought uh, that that was Jesus saying, 
don't put any relationships, even the closest ones you have, above the relationship that we have with with our Lord. Mm. Now, I could be I could be wrong on that. Well, but. I've always uh, looked at it as like um, our love, um, our love for one another should should be compared to hate compared to our love for God. I, that's the way that I've I've tried to make sense of that statement. So the Does way that make sense the way that you're saying it is that uh, what we think is the greatest magnitude of love now will just look hateful when we actually recognize the love that we yes. can have for Jesus. That's yes. a good way to, that's a fascinating way to think about that it. That is, sure. yeah. yeah. I think the, um, the, it comes down to the ordering of love. Mm. I think that there is definitely love out of order, um, just like there's life and behavior and thought out of order. Uh, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all right. these things will be added. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't say seek only, the early church fathers are very keen to point that out. Right. It's what you do first. Um, and so then all other love falls into proper order. Um, there is this sense, the reality that Jesus does employ hyperbole as a way of speaking, yeah. a rhetorical device, um, which nobody here does that. Never, ever never, uses never. ever uses hyperbole. I'm the least, I see what you did there, Jim. I'm the oh. least you hyperbolic there. person I've ever met in my life. And the most humble. Yes. Um, there's the other sense, too, where you have to ask, okay, if you do not love Jesus primarily and utmost, how much do you really love the people around you? Ooh. Do you see? It's a, yeah. And that's not to say by order of magnitude or to question your feelings or commitment to a person or, or my even my own, but to ask the question, am I loving in a proper way if my love is not ordered through Jesus? Yeah. Uh, you can definitely see, uh, I won't, <laughs> I could think of past relationships. This is not the time or place to do that. Um, but relationships that people have where they have super strong feelings and commitment and they're all wrapped up, but it's really disordered love. Right. Um, so the, it also brings up the point, can you truly love the people closest to you if your love is not first ordered through Jesus? So that's one way to think of that as well. Alan, I'm, I'm kind of taken by your take. Oh, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of taken by your take. Oh, okay. Well, I think, uh, I don't know how to expound more on that, but I do, uh, I think we do make the mistake of trying to prioritize our love time anyways you know we always say put god first and then we i don't know we'll we'll put family second and mm-hmm. uh, f- uh church third work fourth anyways Bulldogs third but okay yeah, yeah what I, um depends on what the season is okay. um <laughs> That's i think that instead we we've we've got to think of it I, I've, I've just viewed it as and seen it viewed as like an umbrella like that 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 our love for Jesus, our love for God is is the umbrella that is is covers everything. And underneath that umbrella is all of our other different relationships. And so, and it's kind of like out of that umbrella, um, out of our love for Jesus, our love for everybody else flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so instead of trying to think, well, you know, I gotta I gotta put this in some kind of order type of thing, it's it's really only Jesus, God, one, that's it. Um, and out of that flows our love for everything else. Um, and really only, only if we're doing that, does, do we, are we able to truly love one another as the scripture says? 
So there's a there's a really good book um, that's kind of a Wesleyan theological book written by um, a Nazarene scholar from um, the kind of mid 20th century um, named Mildred Bangs Wincoop. Some of y'all may have heard of this, but this uh, book is a it's kind of it's kind of famous um, within kind of Nazarene Wesleyan circles. Um, called um, A Theology of Love, and talking about uh, Wesleyan theology, um, A Theology of Love. And um, she she will use this concept here, kind of this umbrella of, or however uh, we want to call this, of loving Jesus will um, uh, affect um, or impact or influence our love for Jesus shows our will we'll come out in our love for others as well. Like the, our love for others is impacted by our primary love of Jesus. And so um, that's an interesting book. I'm going to throw that a link into the, uh, into the show notes. Show notes. Yes. Um, here, um, a really good book. I, I really did enjoy reading it. So um, this is great. This is great. So it matters, you know, it, when we love Jesus, ultimately, it really overflows into our relationships with other, other people and, um, and kind of a right ordering way. So that's good. And I would, I would say, uh, loving God first, foremost, and only enables you out of that to love right. other people. There you go, Jim. Hey, well, I, just wanna, I just want to say real quick, thank you to our one listener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I mean, out of, out of our one listener was a great question. That's I don't, right. I mean, so. But we had nothing else prepared today, so whoever yeah, you I mean, are. I just so thank hit us you. up on our uh, social media, and we'll see y'all later. I mean, that yeah. one listener has given us like like 25-star reviews. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so thank you. That's awesome. That's so fantastic. Um, hey, by the way, before we get into the catechism proper um, uh, and, and, and talking about these questions, we are coming up on Halloween, um, and I was just thinking kind of a fun little thing to do kind of as a sidebar. Um, what was your favorite, like as a kid, as a kid, what was your favorite costume that you wore? Uh, what was your favorite? Like, what did you, what, what just comes back to you as, man, that All was right. awesome. All right. I'm a child of the 80s. Yes. And in the 80s, they had the costumes that you would buy at the department store were like, they were literally like a tablecloth with printing on it. I always like to say like they a, were painted like a, garbage bags. Yeah, garbage bags and a half mask with an elastic band. Mm -hmm. And I was man at arms from He-Man, the animated show. Oh, that's so great he because I was He-Man. And we should have known each other because uh, that would have been that would have been we, epic. We, no, that would have been see, an epic eight-year-old picture. That it been, would have, um, but I, I think I was four at that time, and I think Brett, you might have been fourteen yeah, or, last, or last twenty-eight year, last, last year. Last year, and that, yeah, he, he made last, <laughs> last year. Um, I think I dressed up as a Ninja Turtle one year. Oh, that's good. Like, yeah. like the plastic costume, or did oh, you yeah. go well, full yeah. face paint? And I think it was face paint too. I was oh. like, yeah. Oh man, uh, I'll see, show you some pictures of. Of the ones that my wife made for my kids, uh, one of my boys was Lego Batman, actual Lego Batman. <laughs> Whoa. Awesome. It was an amazing <laughs> costume. That's awesome. 
That's fantastic. There was always that separation when I was, you know, you know, eight years old, whatever, uh, that separation of those who had the plastic half mask thing that Jim was talking about and those who would paint their faces. Like it was almost like we half half mask folks look at looked at those uh, face painters as fanatics. Like, what are y'all doing? This hey, 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 Jim, when, folks. when you showed your kid that was dressed up as Lego Batman, did you go, hey, check out this stud? <laughs> I think that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think I think so. That was a missed I just, opportunity. I was just wondering. I was yes, just wondering. That really was the question of the I was day just right acting there, right? like I was half masked. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so that's Hey, so we're getting Halloween, the time of the year when everybody debates on who has the best mask. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolutely true. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Man. Sounds like a sermon series almost. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or a really insightful Twitter post, which will change the world and everyone's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we call that tweeting. It's preaching. Twi- Ooh, uh, yeah, tweeting. I've not heard that. Yeah, no, that's that's. that's I've always referred to it as twitching, but let's not expand. <laughs> um, Man, right, this well, rate, we're never going to get to the questions. Off the ra- we are off the rails here. Okay. Anyway, hey, thanks uh, to our one listener. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hey, Potic Humans, uh, share with us um, on our social media your favorite uh, costumes that you you like to dress up as, your favorite characters you like to dress up as, as when you were a kid, um, and that'd be fun. All right, so let's get into the catechism. We are looking at the second commandment today, so we're going to be looking at a group of questions from the catechism, from the Westminster Catechism, dealing with the second commandment, and uh, we're going to tell you what that commandment is. So, uh, what is the second commandment? The second commandment is, you shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that is Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. And it's, it's of the commandments, it's the longest, it's the most detailed that we, that we get into as well. Um, all right, so now coming, combining some other questions that go along with the second commandment, um, question number 50 would be, what is required in the second commandment? Uh, Well, the second commandment requires the receiving, observing, and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in his word. Mm. And then question number 51, what is forbidden in the second commandment? The second commandment forbids the worshiping of God by images or any other way not appointed in his word. And that's an interesting one, too, because we'll get more into this in a second. But we, we I, I know, I, at least I do, when we think of graven images, we think of maybe other gods. But one of the things that's going to come up in our discussion here is this idea of how we worship God himself. So, um, And then question 52, what are the reasons annexed to the second commandment? The reasons annexed to the second commandment are God's sovereignty over us, his propriety in us, and the zeal he has to his own worship. 
Um, annexed is a word we don't use a lot in the um, in this current uh, connotation. That's an well, interesting. Well, they're talking about to the front room of the sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, that's a narthex, bro. <laughs> oh, my bad. My now, bad. you could be talking about annex when that town wants to move in a Walmart, and they're going to annex your farm to do it. Well, that's a good point. That's good. Yeah. Annex typically means what, Brett, in this case? Um, I'm going to say connected to, but... Uh, probably probably something like that. What yeah. are the reasons attached to the second commandment? Yeah. Like, why, why is it a thing, essentially? Right, exactly. Yeah. That's how I was reading it anyway. All right. Uh, so, what I did was I actually just skipped the word and pretended like I understood the question and then just moved on. <laughs> I just used the Google machine. <laughs> did you use the tweedly boops? <laughs> the tweedly boops and the doodly doos. Yeah, that's what he did. That's what he did. Uh, no, I just twitched. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a couple scripture proofs here. Yes. Um, hmm. Where should we start? Um. Hmm. You know what? Perhaps we should start in Exodus. Let's start in Exodus because mm-hmm. you know one of the places these Ten Commandments are found is are in Exodus, and mm-hmm. so a couple of readings that the the Catechism and this group of questions uses as scripture proofs or scripture basis come actually elsewhere, a couple of places in chapter 32 and 34. So let me read to you, and these are in support of the nature of the commandment or what the commandment forbids or why. So verse 32, a couple of selections. This is uh, the segment in which um, Moses has gone up into the mountain, and the people are below, and they would they get a little nervous that he ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah. And this is what happens. So Aaron makes a golden calf, um, or they make a golden calf, maybe all together. It says in verse 5, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. And they rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. Ooh, they actually went as far as to revel. Yeah. Uh, Continuing, the Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way I have commanded them. They have cast for themselves the image of a calf. They have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty intense scene. There's a lot going. We talked a little bit about this passage last week. It's strange that they would do this, but there's a lot of good behind it. But one of the things that's so interesting is all of a sudden, and even even Aaron would say, um, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. It's like, this is it. This is God. and so you have this golden calf, which people sacrificed for, which people are worshiping, which people are loving, and God says they have cast for themselves an idol, which according to the commandment, it is the image of something, it's a graven image that is like something in the earth beneath, like mm-hmm. it is a cow, mm-hmm. calf. Um, they worship it as if it is the God. Now, here's something interesting. Did they say that this is the cow that brought us out of Egypt, different from Yahweh, the God of Israel? Or did they say, God is not where we think he is. He is now with us. We have made sure he is with us by casting this image of God as a calf. This is the God of Yahweh. Here he is. Interesting. Both are idolatry. Yeah. Both break the commandment. 
if they were to have said, no, the God who we've been following in a pillar of smoke and flame is not actually God, but this calf is now God, that would naturally be worshiping another God. However, if they were to say this graven image, this is God, remember they were so nervous because Moses was up with God far away on the mountain and he was scary Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to go near, but this calf isn't so scary and this calf is near. God is not scary. God is near. God is always with us. In fact, if we want God far away, we can move him far away. Mm. If we want God close, we can get close. So at any rate, so this is just a big illustration of the whole thing. Um, I won't keep preaching. (laughs) We'll take a quick look at uh, another couple of verses from Exodus chapter 34, verses 13 through 14. Uh, We have here, God speaking to Moses. You shall tear down their altars, break their pillars, cut down their sacred poles, by the way, all of which were used for worship. For you shall worship no other God, because the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is Mm. a jealous God. Mm. And there you are. There you are. You know, uh, interesting about that uh, whole uh, the cow thing is, if you read it, uh, there's this (laughs) when... when, um, when Aaron is talking back to Moses, when Moses is like, what have you done um, with doing this? Uh, he says, well, we, you know, the gold went to the fire and out came this calf. Out this, came this cow. Like, like it was this oh, no. <laughs> magic fire. Yeah. Magic fire. We don't know. We just threw the gold in and look out came this calf. <laughs> just, uh, just the this reminds me. me of like when my kids were toddlers and they got caught doing something. I don't know what happened. It just exploded. <laughs> it just exploded. <laughs> Um, absolutely. Well, so, um, and it, and it's fair or not fair. It's good to remind, remember from that latter, uh, uh, passage that Jim read about, there are many objects that can be used for worship. Um, and in, in the old Testament, you'll see that you'll see poles, you'll see altar tables, you'll see rocks, you'll see, uh, just different statues and, and, and things made of stone and gold and bronze and all this kind of stuff. You'll see that, but they all entice a, a sense of worship. So, um, all right, good deal. So we are going to now go a little bit later, let's say a whole generation later, Ooh. a whole generation later from the Exodus event, from the Exodus commandments. Now the Israelites are standing on the uh, shores of the Jordan River. Their first generation, this first generation has all died out. Moses is about to pass away himself. And he, Moses is, this is his swan song. He's, he's retelling the law. And uh, so we're going to go to this retelling of the law uh, to Deuteronomy. And uh, let's see what we have there. Deut, deut, Deuteronomy. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to look. <laughs> Alan's going to throw down a rap, okay. a Deuteronomy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Deuteronomy should be a rap. It, I mean, wouldn't that be great? Um, make a lot a little bit more interesting. Okay, <laughs> Deuteronomy 4. I'm, I'm kidding. Deuteronomy is plenty interesting. It is. Um, so, um, wow. Deuteronomy. Did you right. just take the Lord's name in vain, like, in a way? I don't think so. Um, Deuteronomy <laughs> 4. I'm going to look at verses 15 through 19. And so, um, um, is this Moses or the Lord speaking? I think um, I should have known this before I, I started. Um that's all right. The word will reveal the truth to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, this is what Deuteronomy 4 says. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. 
um, calling on the on the moment when when Moses um, heard um, the Lord speak um, to him and. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So, you know, pretty clear, pretty... Do, um, do you think do, do you think Moses is listing out all those things because there's going to be that one person in the back who's like, hey, what about snakes? Can we do snakes? What about them? <laughs> you didn't say anything about no snakes. I want to worship a snake. Let's go with that. Yeah, I think um, it would be one middle schooler in the back would do that. <laughs> he didn't say this. <laughs> One of the things that I, I think is interesting is, um, again, well, he mentions the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, and it goes all the way back to Genesis, right? Yeah, of course. And so course. Um, God is creating and he's speaking and he creates uh, night and day before there's ever the sun, moon, and stars. Right. Um, and I, we theorize, we um, pontificate, uh, that that was all done so that um, we would not worship the things in the sky, but we worship God who created those things. And so um, same thing with, with anything else and with this whole idea of creating images that we wouldn't worship the thing, we would, we would worship the one who made all of it. Right. Um, so that's in Deuteronomy 4, then Deuteronomy 12. Um, uh, God is talking about... Um, they're in, the, the Israelite people are getting instructions for when they possess the promised land. And this land is, is uh, full of people who are already worshiping um, other gods and, and have their own religions and so forth. And God knows that if, if they do not remove those things, um, then they're going to be tempted to worship the way that these people have worshiped. And so this is their instructions from Deuteronomy 12, 31 through 32. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, meaning the people who inhabit the promised land, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do, do see that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it mm. the um the the supreme idea for israel i say supreme but the idea for is israel was to be a holy nation a holy people a separate people to not be like everyone else and uh this would be shown by worshiping the one god the one true god and so this is a great warning to them and it's interesting like this gets repeated over and over and over and over again and as Joshua uh, and the Israelites take the land and they go in, you, you very quickly you start to see that this is the one area that they just fall into sin, and it's, and it's just real early on. And you get to the book of Judges, and it's just rife with it. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's so easy to like uh, pick up anything from the people you're around. I mean, speech patterns and yeah. uh, habits and right. dress and clothes and all that stuff. Um, and so, 
you would think, oh, I'll just go to church here with Yahweh while they go to church with Canaan God. Yeah. Um, but it's not quite as simple as that because it's wrapped up in their whole life. It's not necessarily like us where we try to keep our religion over uh, down the block on Sunday morning. I mean, this is religion that infiltrates their whole life. Right. Um, spoiler, our religion infiltrates our whole life too. We right. just have secular religion. Um and then remembering remembering that in this ancient Near East, it's like this whole culture, every little small grouping had its family god and its tribal god and clan god. Um, so there was just a lot of it. It wasn't like they were ignorant and weird and whatever. It's just the way that things were. Well, and also it's a good reminder to us, too, that, you know, the monotheism um, for Israel, it was one of those things. It was very hard for them. Uh, and I think we have to remember that. Um, I think one of the reasons why this gets repeated over and over and over and over again for them is that this idea of worshiping one God, although it, you know, it seems great and it's wonderful and it's all, it, it's so new to them, and you really just see that over and over and over again. Um, I like that analogy of uh, you take on speech patterns, you take on ways of dress when you move in. That, that's absolutely true. Well, what's the idea that it's easier for somebody to pull you down than for you to pick them up? Mm-hmm. And so um, I've used that when talking about, you know, who, who our kids hang out with and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's not, it's not, an, it's not, an, it's, you know, you can get into the whole of the world in the world and not of the world type of thing. But uh, so we, we still want to be um, in and around others, mm-hmm. especially if they don't know Jesus so that we can be an influence, but we have to be on guard mm-hmm. because it is much easier for them to influence us. Um, in a negative way than for us to do it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, not in, so. Anyways, we just have to be. You have to be on guard. On hey, guard. Al- <laughs> okay. Hey, 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 Alan. Casen. For Narnia. <laughs> for Narnia. Hey, Alan Kaysen, I'm going to give you some love here because I don't think I've ever made the connection until you just did it between these, and, and it's right there in front of me. Like, how do I miss this? But to the Genesis creation story. With the uh, those you know the sun the moon the whatever I mean that's that's just a yep. great connection there I mean of course it's the connection I mean it's like when you hear it you're like oh sure of yeah it yeah is that yeah but good that's guy that's awesome thank you for that that was awesome you are welcome <laughs> the prophets pick up on that too with the um you're gonna worship something that has been made and has no power and not the one who makes all things and has all power. Mm. Um, they mock, they start to mock the idols. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I know, yeah. And you think, you think, well, why, why, why would the Israelites then want to go and like craft an image of their God anyway? They just know God, right? But right. you get around all these people and they're like, your kids go, well, well they have the statue. Why don't we have the statue? And then mm. people themselves will start to feel like, well, I'm obviously being ineffective because I'm doing nothing with the harvest and fertility God. Um, and so it's, it's easy to fall back into. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to, I want to read Psalm 95 to you guys. Um, this is one of my favorite Psalms. It's a Psalm of worship. It literally is a Psalm of praise and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, notice, uh, notice the object of praise, um, that is here. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. 
In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed dry land. In verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Uh, the psalmist here um, is an anonymous psalm. The psalmist here um, is just really pointing out, look, it is God. He is the king of kings. He is the God of gods. And the very creation itself uh, comes from his hand. It comes from his, him. It was formed by him. It is for him. And so we sing to him because we are his. And so if he is the king of kings, the God above all other gods, of course he's going to be a jealous God. Yes. Of course he's going to want us to worship him and him alone because there's nobody that compares. There's nobody um, that um, is on his level. He is before all things. Um, he will he will be there till the end of time, which will not end. Anyways, it's just <laughs> he is he is above all things, and so of course he is. He is jealous of anything that takes our affections away from him. And of course, he's going to be specific and detailed in what we are called not to worship. Um, and, and, and so we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be taken aback. We shouldn't be, oh, I can't believe. Right. Um, um, how dare he? Um, he's the king of kings. Is there, um, is there something, is there something, um, is there such a thing as righteous jealousy? It's kind of the word that comes to to me when you talk about this God being jealous. Is this righteous jealousy? Well, I wonder, uh, I'm sure there is. I wonder if um, we are prone to put um, make it jealous an emotional state, a negative emotional state, hmm. when it's not an emotional state, but uh, maybe a value or virtue choice. Ah. Uh. You see what I'm saying? So like, yeah, one, yes, that, yes. and that might be why we react. I don't, I'll speak for myself, why I've always kind of reacted weird. Um, you know, it's got this sense of um, unhappiness or feeling overprotective. Um, but uh, it would be really interesting to look into the early uh, biblical, biblical right. writings and biblical language about I'm that. Wondering if it's Remind like me this... the verse number that word jealous came up in. I'd love to look that up while you're all talking. Um. Or shall we do it later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it later. Go ahead. Uh, well, I wonder if it's the idea of like coveting. He covets um, our affections, our worship. Mm. And I don't know. Covet seems less emotional. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I don't know if that's even the right word. But um, I think at, at the base of it, you have. Um, me, not anyone else, consequences if you do. Sure. It doesn't necessarily mean that God has descended into a uh, an suboptimal emotional state that we don't want other people to get into. So I'm just, uh, as I try to think through um, that it's a characteristic, not necessarily, oh, we make God jealous, jealous people are petty, that kind of situation. Vigilant or guarding in a possession as a de as a definition I just looked up. Um, yeah. Vigilant and guarding of a possession. 
Well, and that would make sense because even God himself, uh, you know, you will be my, I will be your God and you will be my people. Like there's an ownership there, right? There's this that keeps coming up. Um, and, uh, and if there's one thing about God to his people, it's vigilance, right? Yeah, he just keeps on, on, keeps on. Um, well, it's like last night we were doing a study at our church on uh, um, Abraham's, the covenant with Abraham. And he has this vision of, you know, uh, the smoking pot and the flame going through the, the middle of dead animals who are cut in half. I know that sounds great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the whole idea of that is that, you know, when two kings would, would um would have a treaty they'd be at war and they'd have a treaty they they'd take they take animals they cut them in half they put them in on either side and the kings would walk by in the middle by each other in the middle to the other side and the symbolism is that um if any of you if either one of them breaks the treaty they would be like these dead animals right well when abraham has that vision god's the only one going through that going through the those dead animals and so god is and that's the case really with every covenant that God makes, God is saying, I am going to uphold this promise no matter what. Right. Um, and so I think it's, I think here, God is, is the whole idea. You are, um, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. God, um, has already decided this. It's not based on anything that we do or, or don't do, especially like in terms of, um, you know, straying away from God. And so that makes God jealous. No, God has already decided that we are his people and that, um, and so we're called to worship him and, and we're called to not worship these other things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's right on. I, um, one of the things that I, I think about in this, uh, is, um, what are some of the things we worship Today, so as we get into the discussion of why this matters, what are the, some of the things we worship today? But I think another part of this question too, and it's something that Jim had brought up earlier, is not only what are some things that we worship as, you know, other gods today. I think that is probably an easier answer, although it may not be. Um, but what are some things that we do the location of of God into this thing, um, and and worship that they say this this is God. This is the one true God. Am I making sense in my question? Like, um, yeah, yeah. Like, do the so, golden calf thing. Yahweh is here now, and and within within my grasp and within my control, um, uh, that kind of thing. Right. So I'm thinking about an easy thing is is wealth. Yes. Um, uh, let's say you have money in the bank that's intangible until you put signs of it in front of you. Yeah. And therefore, you have kind of made an image um of them um hmm that's a great question like what is it that we want to keep close to us and in our in our control i think what's making the question a little tougher is everything now is so subtle Hmm. think um i think i think um because anything can be right anything anything can be made into a god right um you talk about money um i'm gonna say it sports you know like i mean um i I love my dogs and just went to a game a couple weeks ago and you cannot help but feel like so many of the elements of a football game resemble worship Um, absolutely yeah um and you have 90 something thousand people doing it all at the same time it is somewhat euphoric um and and yet 
Um, so anyways, so, so there's, so, and, and you can, you can go to a football game and do anything like that and you can not think anything about it. And, and, and so I just think things are really subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why it makes somewhat of, of a little uh, difficult to, to think about, um, you know, um, the uh, the liberal theologian from the uh, kind of mid twentieth century, um, Paul Tillich, would call um, uh, worship uh, call God's anything that has our ultimate concern, and um, anything we put our ultimate concern in that gets our ultimate act of devotion um, in our lives. So that would actually fit very much in what you're saying there, Alan. Is um, anything. Either, and then that just really leaves it wide open. What gives You're my right, ultimate concern? Right. It can be anything. Yeah, um, absolutely. And sports for me is, I mean, you know, this time of football season is something that, that takes my concern, but there'll be plenty of people who don't give a rip about sports or, or what's happening in the right. football or baseball season. I mean, we got to play at baseball uh, season playoffs and pro sports. So, mm. I mean, but it could be whatever. Um because each of us have different concerns and different likes and, and enjoy different things. So I think, um, I was just thinking about the whole idea of images and what are, what are, what are some images that we worship today? And I think, um, I just think about, I just can't help but think about social media and, and most of social media is built around images, correct? Like you, what we, our images, images of other people, um, and or or you know videos um you know mm-hmm. tiktok short little videos whatever um and i think we can worship the things i think i think just particularly i think think about both girls and guys they can they can worship what um um what's the what's the hottest trend um what is what's the the hottest fad um and what's interesting about all these things social media and stuff like that is they have filters right all these different filters that make you look different than what you actually are and so all of it's false most a lot of it is false these images are not true images um and so you know with with females they worship what uh this what culture says is a good looking female and they want to look like that. And guys worship images of females, um, uh, on the social media, um, thinking that that's what a woman's supposed to look like. And so, um, it's just interesting to think about images and, and, and image worshiping images and that most of our social media is built around images. It's not really about the words that we share on social media. It's really about the image that we, that we post or the video that we post. Um, I just find that interesting. And and that's right. And I I would even say that um, the images, images, any image itself is not necessarily bad. Absolutely. It's what what we put into the image. Yes. Of ourselves. And, you know, and what we, yeah. So, um, like, it's just like, you know, social media itself is not bad. The internet itself is not bad. It is what we do with it. Money is not bad. There's money is not evil. The the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. So these are all inanimate things, but yet what we do with them and what we put into it, the, 
um, our energy, our, our emotions, and so forth. And I think this kind of idea is where uh, things like, 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 for example, the classic images of an idol, like something like a stone creature, like a creature carved out of stone. Well, rock itself is not evil. Right. But the work that went into it to make it this thing, to create it to, create it to be this thing, to be worshipped, that's what makes it problematic. Yeah, that's think, what gives it. I think that's what the thing is. It's like, um, obviously, the Israelites struggled with it. So, but to me, you know, thousands of years later, later um, it seems so easy for us to think, well, yeah, an idol sitting on the shelf, a rock, a wood. Well, yeah, but that's, that's not going to worship that. But we don't have those same things. So that's not what we consider. That's not what we consider. Now everything is so, um, but, you know, just like a, an Instagram post or a Twitter post or a Facebook post, that's not something I can really hold in my hand, although my phone, you know. Yeah, right. It's just out there. Um, right. it, it's, our idols today are not the same. Right. I think they're a lot, they're a lot more subtle. And so, so it's, it's so it's, interesting. Yeah. And you say subtle and I, I find myself wanting to disagree with you, but actually I think <laughs> you're right on the point and I don't know what to do with that. When ring you, the bell, when, ring the bell. This is, is the first time this has ever happened. All right, guys, I'm going to bow out here. <laughs> <laughs> I so want to say, are you crazy? Look at the world around us, but Perhaps the issue is is because idolatry, uh, as we know it, has become so ingrained in our society and mm -hmm. in our psyche and our culture that it has become subtle. And when things become subtle, it's because it's become tolerated, maybe, or it's become part of who we are, our identity. So that's interesting that you keep saying the word subtle, and I keep finding myself thinking. <laughs> well, and I may well, be, I may, I don't know. I may. I think um, you might be right. And <laughs> well, that a lot of these things, the right use and the wrong use of something, can be just a hair's breadth apart. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Exactly. That, um, and that's exactly. Subtle. Yeah. So okay. So um, this whole idea of taking kind of location, right? The, of Yah let's, let's, okay. So as Jim had said earlier, yep. earlier about the location of Yahweh goes from the mountain to the golden calf, and this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. That Maybe that's one way of looking at the mentality that was going on here. Um, so one of my favorite authors is a guy named J.I. Packer. He's a, a theologian. He passed, passed away now. Um, um, a reformed theologian wrote a really great book called Knowing God, which I will link to in our show notes. Show and, notes. And show notes. Um, in that book, he, he makes a very interesting argument against images of Jesus. Stained glass, yep. Uh, paintings, no matter what, because ultimately he would, he said that any image of Jesus is made in the image of the artist who made it, um, or it's got it take or and it can take on itself um, a value that we put on it that's worshipful. Um, and so you take you have a painting of uh, of of kind of an Anglo Anglo Jesus in a in a in a church building somewhere. And what happens if you remove it? Well, pe you know, people will get real upset. Well, I can't worship without that there. Well, then that's problematic. That's in and of itself idolatry. Now, I just want to throw that out to you guys. I, I remember reading that chapter, and it made me real, really uncomfortable. I love my stained glass. I love, uh, I love that kind of, especially well, that type of art artistry. And, and yet there's something, I think, perhaps 
a little bit to at least his warnings in well i uh, think there's um and i i this is something vaguely from my church history uh days in seminary so i don't know the time period or, or there may be multiple time periods where the church took this very seriously yeah mm-hmm. um yeah, iconoclasts yeah. Uh, yeah and so you can go and look in churches today especially in europe and you will see the differences in when you know, kind of the when the church took this very seriously. When there's hardly any st- st- stained glass, there's um, hardly any any evidence of any kind of imagery mm-hmm. um, versus some other uh, architecture that that has more of it. Um, so they've they've gone back and forth through the years of taking this this right. passage and this idea very seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, so. Yeah. So there's, in fact, it lives on in um, uh, segments of Presbyterianism, I think most of Presbyterianism, and in a lot of Reformed circles. I was in a Presbyterian sanctuary the other day that had stained glass windows, but it was all just a pattern. Yeah. Um, and there, I've had conversations with uh, pastors who uh, say it simply just breaks this commandment. So I think you've got to read into the commandment because the commandment is deeply contextualized in, even in the text itself, about the act of worship. Mm-hmm. And you can you'd have to read each sentence and phrase of the text in the context of you know where it's at, and you can see that the intention is for worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would we not uh, make an image of God from anything above, below, or under the sea? Well, we hit the Genesis reference uh, because it's all created by God. It's not God. Uh, the other thing would be um, so if I have a picture and I don't intend for it to be worship, but I intend it to drive me to worship. I think there's a distinction that can be made there, like an icon, like an icon, like stained glass. There's also the proclamation of stained glass. Yeah, uh, the right. church sanctuary, last three church sanctuaries that I've served in, um, they basically they tell the entire life of Jesus across the room, mm-hmm. which yeah. is good because I'm only a good preacher about once a month for a few minutes. <laughs> People need something to look at, and then right. might as well proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Right now, Lord there's another them. point that I want to bring up real quick. So I talked about the problem of the golden calf being about location and control. Mm-hmm. All right. I also want to talk about the problem of substance briefly mm-hmm. for those mm-hmm. who want to take on an advanced and very dull line of thinking. Um, <laughs> what is the substance of God? Mm. Nothing. It's spirit. God spirit. is spirit. spirit. God spirit. is spirit, yeah. Okay, catechism question two or three. Yes. Right? Yeah. God is spirit. Um, God is not stone, rock, or even electron. Mm. God is spirit. spirit. And so not only do you, you, one, you degrade God to say that God is less than God is. Mm-hmm. You degrade yourself by worshiping something that is less than God is, just in the pure substance of what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, gold could be the greatest substance that we know or could assign value to at any given time, like a golden calf, but you would degrade the substance of God to say this is God. Right. Um, you would degrade the form, uh, the formlessness of God, the omnipresence of God, to say that God is located within boundaries like the shape of a cow, a leviathan, a picture, a person, um, or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that we don't try to locate God in a place where we can, and by locate, I mean force God into time and space Mm -hmm. in such a way that we can then manipulate God or walk away from God physically. Um, We don't want to make 
degrade God's substance by calling something God that is not of the divine and full substance that God is. Or even how God reveals himself. So like calling God Father would be appropriate because that's how he's revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Would you would you agree with that? Uh, I, do, I think now if you called your father God, that would be different. That would be different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question that's been brewing, been stirring. So we are made in the image of God, correct? Uh, yeah. And so... I have a question and I don't even know if I have the question, right. Um, but is there something about the fact that we are made in God's image that for us to make anything else or to worship anything else as God? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't even have the question. No, um, no, no. You're, you're so you're, I, I, I know exactly where you're going. Somebody with this. help me. Yeah, I know exactly where you're going with this. So I've heard it taught, um, and I've done a little bit of word study on this. So the word uh, for uh, created in the image in, in our image in Genesis, and then the word for idol or graven image, um, they're not quite the same words in Hebrew. They're not quite the same words, but they have some of the same meanings mm-hmm. behind them. So I don't think it's a huge stretch to say what I'm about to say here. I think one of the issues we run into here is that God made us in his image. Um, and in other words, we, in a way, is to say we're, we're kind of like the idols of God correct? Um, ourselves. So idolatry doesn't just—it doesn't take away— the majesty. God is going to be God no matter who we worship or what Absolutely. we worship. I mean, his sovereignty his is going to be great. Preach. A lot of this has to do with us, too. When we worship false things, false idols, we are not living into the fullness of who we were created to be ourselves. We, it's there like we go. That's what I'm talking about. We're, we're not living into the fullness of who we are, and we're missing something, that image within us that God put in us. Yeah. We are covering up. We're marring. We're distorting um, when we do this. So I do think there is a connection here. Uh, we don't make graven images. We don't make images because God's already made an image. Uh, us. We, us. Yes. We. Yeah, we. Us. Right. We. I think, so that's a connection I've been making. I've been thinking, doing a lot of thinking on that and some word study uh, between the two. Uh, between we, the, saw the, we saw the steam come between from out your ears. It was... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot of pressing going on. It was. It was. Uh, but I like it. that. I like that. So you've got the idea that um, the making of idols and worshiping them is degrading to humanity. Yes. Uh, but and by I the would, way, by the way, can uh, I just say this? Maybe. How does that get played out in the biblical story? Humanity starts violently going after each other. The degrading of our humanity, it actually gets played out in killing and, and all of this stuff um, over and over. We actually live that degrading out. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to connect uh, because I'm taking a clue from the catechism, or a cue from the catechism, one that is, uh, I really appreciate. It starts out not so much concerned with humanity, but it starts out with the character and person of God. Sure. sure. Um, and so... Um, by degrading humanity, you degrade God who made it. Mm-hmm. Idolatry also degrades God, which is um, 
you know, yeah. it's sinful and out of. It's right. like a it's like a double edged sword. Uh, it's like that. So yeah, how about that? Am I allowed to have? Am I allowed to have a picture of Jesus around here? Am I allowed to? Mm. Yeah, I mean, just don't go bowing down to it. I guess. Mm. Mm. But see, what picture of Jesus are you going to put up? I don't know. I like Jesus. I just want pictures of him. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like Jesus. I wish you loved him. Oh! Oh! Dang! Oh, wow. That was rough. <laughs> that was that like, was, that was he rough. loves Jesus. Came y'all. down just, from the I'm top just... rope. <laughs> yeah, from the top rope. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, so long and short, um, I think you can you can do a couple things. I think you would pro- you could uh, probably logically be okay if you're like, nope, no pictures of anything. I mean, mm, I see it. I don't think it's... I don't think it holds up. What about, uh, you know, pictures of Jesus or depictions of the Trinity, like a dove for the spirit? Um, I would say if if the intention is for worship, to worship it as it is God, then you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if, you, if you were to do it like I believe that all church architecture typically does, um, as an aid to lead to the worship of God, I think that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely within the right and mandate of the Great Commission. Let's not leave artists out of the Great Commission because we've read the Second Commandment poorly. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And you can even see that in the um, in construction of like the tabernacle, the temple, the yeah. these pieces of construction that aided into worship or aided into having experience with the living God. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, this has been great, man. This what a great discussion, and what we what we really have thrown out to all of our listeners um, is that you mean um, all this, one of them, all one, all one of, of them. Our Thank listeners, you. Thank you. Um, is that uh, this is not easy? It's not easy. It's not it's not easy enough just to say, hey, don't worship other gods. There's a lot of questions that come from that that are important questions that actually matter in and of themselves. This is a whole heart issue. This is a, what are we putting our devo- giving our devotion to, our lives to. Um, the, the whole front end of the Ten Commandments itself is about our relationship with God, and this is an important piece uh, to um, who we are as followers of Jesus. We, we really need to take this stuff seriously and understand it does um, really matter. Um, it's not just um, for me. It's not just a mental exercise so that I can know right. more. Whatever this is, a, this is heart, man. This is yeah. this is life giving um, because I I say I don't want to worship other gods, but how easy is it? And see, that's the subtlety. See, I'm coming back to that whole subtle oh, thing. Okay, all right, y'all. Mark how it easy down. Mark is it, down. it for me to get into worshiping other things, other idols, or things that I even locate maybe want to locate God in, so I can I can have control. Um, how easy is it for me to do that in everyday life? Um, it, it just is, and so we've got to. Yeah, we've, we 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 need to take this take this seriously. Um, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That that is it. Hey, yeah. but yeah. listen, the Ten Commandments—they're irrelevant. They're not. They're they're. <laughs> Let's just unhitch ourselves. Just, yeah, I mean, don't worry about it. don't yeah, worry about absolutely. the Ten Commandments. They don't they don't really. Hey, in the uh, I kid, I kid. <laughs> hey, in the next episode, we get to cuss. I'm so excited. We get to cuss. Oh, uh, wow. I'll have to put an ex- expletive uh, 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 sign okay. up. Uh, All right, hold so on. just know that it's uh, the next episode we're cussing a lot. No, I'm just kidding. We're not wow. doing that. The third commandment, not to take the name of the Lord in vain. And oh, so, I see. Yeah, I you see. see. You see. see. You so there, we're going to talk about what that means and what that doesn't mean. I wonder. I wonder how well that discussion is going to go. So that's uh, that's probably I'm not looking well. forward to that. 
What'd you say? <laughs> Probably not well. Probably not well. <laughs> um, well, uh, as a reminder, uh, the Podakesis podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Network. You can find out all about um, Podcasting Network, and you can find all about um, out all about Spirit and Truth on spiritandtruth.life. That's uh, spiritandtruth.life. You can find us and the other podcasts in the Spirit and Truth uh, podcasting network there at spiritandtruth.life. And just want to let y'all know about the Spirit and Truth Conference that is coming up in mid-March. Uh, go to spiritandtruth.life. You'll see the conference right there. And if you're registered for the conference and you put in the discount code podakesis, yeah, that's right. The Podakesis podcast has a discount code. Brett is so, so happy What will it give this? you? Just tell me what it will give them. Um, that's I know exactly. what it will give you. It gives you an inordinate and uh, pathological <laughs> amount of joy. It does. What does it give our <laughs> listeners? So uh, it gives them $20 off uh, the cost of registration uh, for that conference. If you put in Podichesis, P-O-D-E-C-H-E-S-I-S in the discount box, and we hope that you will join us at the Spirit and Truth Conference um, in mid-March in um, in, De- in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. Because we're going to be there. It's going to be what? fun. We're looking forward to it. You'll see more information about that coming up. Be sure to hit us up on social media. Uh, be sure to, at uh, Podichesis is where you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can call us and leave a voicemail, 404-635-6679. And as always, you can leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes, which helps us out greatly. Tell your friends, tell your family about the Podakistas podcast. Tell them they can find us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. And once again, I'm Brett Maddox, and that's Jim Morrow, and that's Alan Kaysen. Yep. And we are out. Y'all have a good day. Yeah.